0: Hey there, it's Tracy Tully, and you're listening to Tracy Tully Talks at bbsradio.com, the place to be right now, streaming live with another 60 minutes of thought-provoking topics, sharing with you conversations that are relevant today, tomorrow, and in the future. Join me each week on Thursday mornings at 10am Australian Time, AEST, 5pm Wednesday, PT, hello Los Angeles. If you miss the live show, Jump onto your favourite podcasting platform and you'll find me on Tracy Tully Talks. We do have some adult language, so if you have some little ones around, pop on your earphones. Hello to our listeners all over the world. It's Tracy Tully here and I'm broadcasting from Queensland, sunny Queensland in Australia. And today in the studio I have Jack Maguire. And Jack is the secretary for the Teachers' Professional Association of Queensland. And so it's the brand new kid on the block, the union, that's going to knock off the perch, the old traditional (laughs) teachers' union. How are you, Jack? Welcome.
1: Wonderful. This is really cool. Thanks for having me, Tracy.
0: My pleasure. So let's have some background about Jack and why he's in the studio with me today. As you know, I am an educator and I'll always be an educator, can't take that away from a person. So tell us, Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, My background is in finance and law. I guess I got into this union game while I was at university, like uh, I guess a lot of people who end up in unions do, although my path was a little different. Uh, in that I I got involved with um, uh, student politics without being overly political and without being, I guess, um, a part of that usual left click that comes through. Um, I saw some pretty atrocious things while I was uh, at university, particularly campaigning for the student union, Um, an enormous organisation. Most people don't realise our student union at QUT uh, was turning over Uh, about $5 million per annum, six uh, different commercial services and had $10 million in the bank. Um, So seriously playing for sheep stations. But uh, during the student student election campaigns, I saw um, uh, one of my running mates, a um, small female, uh, a small lady running for, um, or a short in stature lady running for secretary be pushed down two flights of stairs by the uh, socialist alternative at the time. Um, it got really vile and, and gross, but ended um, up winning. I uh, had a, an interesting time uh, at the university uh, student union. Did a lot of really cool things around implementing a twenty-four-hour help hotline for students um, who, you know, got in trouble for academic dishonesty and other things. Um, uh, went from seeing um, about fifty students per annum uh, to eight hundred students per annum, so it totally boosted out core service provision of what a student union could do. We actually won a Guinness uh, Book of Records, world record for the largest toga party. So um, that's probably the main KPI that we ticked. <laughs> but uh, um, but interestingly enough, I, there, there was another organisation called the Australian National Union of Students, and it uh, was the peak body for all the different student unions. And I remember going down there uh, to uh, Sydney, I think it was, a summit of all the presidents, uh, and they said, uh, well, you haven't affiliated for many years. It, co- it costs you $80,000 to affiliate uh, and you owe us five years back payment. Um, pay up. I said, well, what do I get for that? Uh, what do our students at QT get for that? Oh, well, you know, it's, you just, it's part of your dues. Don't be a scab union. Uh, we went, oh, no, thanks very much. We can do our own advocacy. Thank you. Um, so then from there I went on and set up the Australian Students Association, which was a national body to sort of not necessarily compete against the National Union of Students but provide services to uh, student unions uh, at their respective universities to try and bolster their service provision and help them become better advocates themselves Mm -hmm. because they're more directly uh, responsible and I guess, uh, for their students. So if they can be a better mouthpiece, even better than having, I guess, a large bloated national body that doesn't really do anything. Well, to, to give you an example of things that they do do, yeah. um, uh, some of the some of the early years, uh, um, a, uh, uh, my friends went down to the National Union of Students summit, and uh, uh, they wanted to pass motions. One, they wanted to ban the Olympic Games because it promoted uh, a competition. And the second motion that they were debating was whether they could increase the age of abortion to two, so the mother had the right to choose whether they could abort their two-year-old, which was just fanciful stuff and had nothing to do with students. Yeah. So why would you give money to them? Anyway, so now we're here. And then, oh, sorry. And then, and then I got involved uh, or uh, was told, or oh, you should meet another fellow that's doing some interesting stuff with nurses in, in uh, setting up uh, alternate unions, similar to what I was doing. And um, we set up a, uh, an alternative nurses' union to the Queensland uh, Nurses and Midwives Union. Uh, we're half the price and don't give money to politics. Um, and, uh, and from there, that's been an overwhelming success. We've got over 7,000 members now in Queensland, um, over one in 10 nurses now, uh, and then a bunch of teachers came, came uh, and approached us and said, we'd like to do the same thing for teachers uh, and the same with bus drivers. So we've got a couple of little, uh, well, significant um, red unions that are starting to form um, under the banner of uh, better rates, no political uh, donations, whether they're in-kind or monetary, uh, and just providing proper grassroots, uh, I guess, union support and advocacy um, and giving people a choice. The old choice was you're either in the union or you're out of the union. If you don't like what the union's doing, lump it or leave it. Um, Now people can vote with their feet and get protection in a different space, and I think that's important to have.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. So Jack's definitely a trailblazer. And it's come to a time where we're in the 21st century and we definitely need change. And what was traditional isn't now necessarily the correct model that uh, we require in the workplace. So tell me, Jack, um, what are the challenges that uh, you've been uh, noticing when you started in the nurses' union? What were the main challenges there?
1: Oh, my goodness, where to start, Tracy? <laughs> um, we, we have spent so much time and effort, uh, uh, unfortunately, rebuffing attacks from other unions uh, Mm. and attacks from the the state government, who is supposed to be uh, a government for the workers and a government for unions, I might add, but uh, not for this union. Perhaps some unions are more equal than others. But um, uh, we have had uh, a defamation lawsuit. I've got a a couple of them on the go at the moment, actually, from the Queensland Nurse and Midwives Union uh, for simply telling the truth. Mm. Um, I said on radio that they... Failed to uncover a bunch of uh, underpayments at this particular hospital, which was true, uh, and they were offended by that. So now I'm being sued. Um, who knew that a union with so many employees could sue for hurt feelings? But um, on that front, on the uh, the state government front, we our success prompted um, the the uh, health minister at the time, uh, Stephen Miles, uh, to have to cause to have a memorandum drafted about us called the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland, Uh, and that memorandum uh, said ABC on it, Um, basically that we couldn't do X, we couldn't do Y, we couldn't do Z, uh, all of which was factually untrue, legally uh, not correct, Uh, and it's taken us 12 months or so to try and uh, get that into a court to get that overturned, but it just goes to show uh, how far they will go because uh, I guess, you know, every every member that joins us at, you know, half the the price is likely um, that money doesn't go towards supporting political parties or their friends in the union. So um, hence why they've gone to extraordinary uh, lengths and measures. Uh, In fact, it was interesting, we found out during the trial that the person who drafted the memorandum, uh, a lady by the name of Anne uh, it was acting human resources director, I think, for, for Queensland Health or something like that. Uh, and, and it came out that just three or four years prior to that, she was one of the highest paid employees at the Queensland Nurses Union. So you've got a former union head now almost leading Queensland Health. Um, you know, it's almost the, the tail that wags the dog sort of thing. Um, how, can you have, how can you be a proper advocate for workers as a standalone um, uh, and uh, and not be separate. You have to be separate if you're going to advocate. So uh, I think, um, you know, that's what we're doing, and I think that's why there's so much value in what we're doing, because uh, if you were a, uh, a nurse and you had trouble with what they, this particular government was doing in any facet, uh, if you go to the union, they're sort of taking on their, their old mates, aren't they? So you, you would question always in the back of your mind how hard they're willing to go.
0: Yeah, bias. Bias is uh, something that I've encountered firsthand for quite a lot of years, and uh, in the education department, and obviously in the health department, because my father's a doctor. So uh, I saw and heard a lot, a lot of the um, behind the scenes. Bias, mm. I know that's a nice, kind word, bias. I could use much stronger, mm. but uh won't today. I'll choose not to. Now, Jack doubled his members' numbers in the nurses' union and has now moved his energy and uh, become a thought leader in the teachers' union. So tell me, Jack, um, what are you finding uh, that's happening there in when you arrived in a teacher's union, what what did you find as the, one of the biggest challenges there?
1: Um, well, it was interesting. We were probably uh, a few months old as a union, uh, uh, less than six months old as a union, uh, and then bang, we were hit with COVID. Mm. Um, so mm. we've sort of really been uh, only running as a union through this uh, strange COVID period um, the initial thing that um, uh, took me back was I guess I would say the poor PR campaign that was run by other unions um, uh, uh, in that it created a lot of backlash against teachers for uh, parents and hunters, people in the peanut gallery saying that, um, you know, teachers are wrong for uh for wanting to you know kids to work uh school from home etc. Uh this was in the early days when we had no idea about the disease mm. and how, mm. how bad it was. So um uh there was a lot of backlash there. What I think people don't realize and what could have been done better with that campaign, which we tried to peddle but we just didn't have the size and clout that oh. uh, the Queensland Teachers Union did. I think we're changing that now we're getting Uh, well above our bang for buck or punching above our weight in terms of media coverage. But um, what they uh, failed to articulate was that teachers, even if kids were studying from home, if teachers were working from home, they're still working. They're not putting their feet up and turning off. In fact, they they did during that Easter period far more work uh, than is normally required of them because they had to shift an entire uh, curriculum uh, to being online uh, uh, or their entire lesson plan to being online um, required many countless nights and, we- and work on weekends. Um, and that was all thankless, totally thankless. And I think that's the problem. That should have been articulated and people should have recognised the huge amount of work that teachers did put in over that COVID period. Mm.
0: And 2020 is the year the teachers was absolutely disastrous. And I know this firsthand because I was hearing it from many, many principals and teachers, not only in Queensland, but across Australia. But for Queensland, the Minister for Education was well aware of COVID and what was going to happen way back in January 2020. And so what a lot of people don't know, in fact, I'd be saying probably 99.9% of people in not just Queensland, but the whole of Australia, is that the management was so poor of uh, the changeover to adapt for the COVID uh, situation that they forgot one vital, one very vital resource that every single state has, and, and that is the School of Distance Education. Now, the problem for the government is they're going to have to start facing this little uh, issue now because it is going to rear its ugly head and I'm putting it up on the table today with a Jack here because the school distance education is so advanced both technologically and uh, in the, the curriculum form that the smooth transition from school to home for teachers should have been like that. It should have been like that and it wasn't. So the negligence the phenomenal negligence of the Department of Education and the Minister's role in education was absolutely deplorable. And what I saw and what I was hearing daily and interviewing and uh, uh, listeners today will have heard some of these um, calls, that the, the fabric, the pure fabric of education was disintegrating in front of our eyes. Children were upset, parents were upset and teachers were upset and the data clearly shows this. So Deakin University and the Australian Catholic University since 2011 have been surveying principles in the occupational health safety and, um, and uh, mental health sphere. And the data, as you can well imagine, dived. It did a nosedive. The bullying online was huge. But what we have found out is that this didn't just go on for one month or two months or three. It went for the whole year. So at no time did anyone get the smarts and change that and just hand over the curriculum documents to make life easy. It was be hard for teachers.
1: I think you raise a, an incredibly good point, Tracy, and it's, uh, it's frightening. But I think this is not surprising. Mm. Uh, and I think this is just a symptom of a super Brisbane city-centric department and a super Brisbane city-centric uh, group of unions. I mean, if uh, perhaps anyone had been out even just west of Toowoomba and spoken to a teacher out there, uh, they would have raised the exact, exact same point that you did. And um, uh, yeah, why, why couldn't they have rolled that out? They could have rolled that out in uh, less mm-hmm. than a week. It exactly. S- saved all the teachers so much heartache and pain in doing all that work themselves. That's right. So for people across
0: the world, you may or may not know geographically we have a lot of stations or properties and rural areas. And so Ranches. Ranches here <laughs> in Texas with those big longhorns. <laughs> Gotta go over there and see that. But to cut to the chase, we have a very, very smart, uh comprehensive and really well-oiled a system of providing education to the farthest point from the sea in any given direction in Australia. And I know that because I actually worked there for quite a few years as a principal. And so all those places were able to be educated since 1960. We're not just talking about 2019. We're talking about 1960. Originally it was the, with the old two-way radios. Now it's by telephone. And so guess what? I want some questions. I want some questions answered in terms of why teachers were put through this, and it's major, I believe. It's just cruel, Mm -hmm. cruel to the teachers, cruel to students, and definitely cruel to the parents because I was hearing from the parents, and obviously most of the population that became the teachers in the home were the mothers, and therefore they were losing their work and their opportunity to work, and not only that, they were losing their opportunity to work when COVID it was over. So you're going to double the membership with uh, the teachers uh, union I know here and uh, so in the short term what what um, are your priorities in the short term for TPAQ?
1: Um, in the short term uh, segueing uh, nicely we do we want to get out west we want to hear from rural remote uh, and regional teachers um, we're going on a uh, on a road trip Uh, in the coming weeks, actually, out to uh, Kanamala, Charleville, Gundawindi, and stopping at uh, plenty of places along the way and getting feedback. I want to hear what, uh, straight from the horse's mouth, the issues that are affecting uh, regional rural teachers. But I think more than that, we have issues that we're focusing on at the moment that I think uh, are impacting not only those in the cities, um, those up in the north, and probably are also affecting those regionally as well. Workplace violence, my goodness, if I can give you a couple of examples mm. of, uh, of violence that we've encountered uh, and members that we've had to represent. Um, we had a, uh, a, a child up in North Queensland, or Central Queensland rather, uh, assault a teacher. Um, the teacher, uh, well, the principal wanted to ex- expel the child for assaulting a female teacher. Um, the regional director for the Education in Queensland stepped in and said, uh, "No, that that child needs to go back to school." Um, so the principal was overruled, and the child went back to school. We had another incident of a um, a teacher up in uh, far north Queensland uh, was punched in the face so much so that his glasses broke. Uh, he went off on workers workers comp, so you get paid leave if you get injured at work in, in Queensland. Uh, went off work, was paid work for six weeks, came back to work after his uh, uh, time off recovering. That same first week back, he then got stabbed uh, with a pair of scissors by another student. So uh, unfortunately, we've lost that teaching out of the profession. He, he said that was enough uh, for him, and I certainly don't blame him. Um, and then even recently, uh, we had another incident where a, a big, burly 16-year-old uh, boy punched a small in stature, uh, teacher in the side of the face at school, the principal uh, suspended the child and then moved to expel the child. Um, the assistant director general then intervened and not only said, "No, you will not expel the child. Put the child back in." The Principals then investigated for why you even why why you even suspended him in the first place. So, if you want to know why our schools are out of control and the kids are going wild it's because principals are not being given the uh, ability to control their schools if they see violence occur they see children totally act out they should be given the the, the rights or the responsibility the power to exclude those children I mean what example does it set if uh, Johnny over here uh, my mate punches a teacher and then comes back I see him the next day or the next week sitting in a chair beside me. <laughs> What's, what example does that that's it for me? Of course, then I'm going to think, oh, that's okay. Who cares what this teacher has to say?
0: Absolutely. And as an educator, a principal, both primary and secondary for 38 years, I saw daily violence. And that's not an understatement. That's just fact. Daily violence, hardcore violence. And uh, I'll never forget just a few years ago, one poor young man in his final year of schooling was walking to a class minding his own business on his own and a student who was taking um, uh, drugs for um, steroidal drugs came up behind him and hit him in the back of the head. He fell and hit the side of the concrete and so his uh, neck was exposed and his head back and he jumped up into the air to jump on him and very, very fortunately another very fast acting young man pushed him and grabbed him and pushed him away and with that he just bent down and he punched the kid in the face, still not happy. That punch, that one punch split his top palate in half. He will never be able to work again. He was a beautiful child. He was a scholar. Uh, He couldn't finish his senior and uh, and. Guess what? They tried to stop me from excluding him, but I did exclude Goodness him Christ. because that student didn't deserve the right to have education. And every other student and uh, visiting uh, adults, whether it be parents or young children and teachers, all deserve the right for safety. And that student uh, was found. To to be taking a cocktail of illegal drugs that were p- purchased on the internet. So it's steroids a, is a big thing now. It's disgusting. Mm.
1: But um, and I guess the uh, the connecting thread between a lot of those, you'd say, well, why why don't why why would the department step in and try and keep mm. these kids in the schools that they've committed these acts? Um, and it all comes back to politics. Um, it does. Uh, Director generals are usually quite close with the governments of the day, the education ministers. Uh, get to appoint their Director Generals, Um, and, of course, uh, when an Education Minister gets up to speak in Parliament about what a wonderful job uh, they're doing and what's happening in their department, uh, they table a report uh, showing how many exclusions are happening, how many suspensions are happening, Uh, and if those numbers uh, go down, then that's great. Um, I suspect, though, the numbers are going up ever so slightly or remaining stable when... In on paper, in reality, though, uh, what teachers are facing is getting uh, expounded or compounded by uh, pushing this bad behaviour back into schools and then their bad behaviour not being addressed. So the bad behaviour is sort of repeating itself and becoming worse. But it's all looking mm. good on paper in parliament. Mm. And that's all that matters.
0: And and that's that's the the wrong thing. The politicisation of education, certainly in Queensland here, and I saw it firsthand as a senior principal, daily. And uh, and it was disgraceful. Absolute disgraceful. The language on the phone from central office was disgraceful. Uh, and uh, and I actually was prevented from closing two schools in flood uh, with. Flood water, knee high, and the power still on. I was stopped from closing them. So I decided to sacrifice my career, and I did. I closed both of them. I rang the police station and said, and they said, funny thing, Tracy, because we're not allowed to evacuate the town. And we knew what it was all about—politics, nothing else. Isn't but, it
1: disgraceful that children's yeah. safety comes second to politics?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that was a that was a, a person, a senior leader, who made a decision which was which was not a good decision. But as a result of me losing my career over it, a great thing came, and I love these great opportunities when they arise out of the worst worst possible scenarios. That from that moment on. Every single principal in Queensland makes the choice that uh in those emergency situations they are the ones that make the call on closing their schools and that is good that is really Mm. good so i didn't lose my job for nothing uh Mm. i'm very proud of that and uh and i and i know that the safety of the students is the has to be the utmost Mm. and so i hear that and see that so behind the scenes here i've been talking to lots of workers out um, on the other side of the glass here, which you can't see but you might one day and um I've been talking about what's happening and where TPAQ is going and I'm hearing the word legislation all the time, Jack. Tell me a little bit about um, what legislate, legislation is required to change uh, to help our staff and our students.
1: Well, I think continuing on in that same vein of what you were just talking about, returning power to principals, it's so key. It's so key for behaviour management uh, it's key for the safety of, mm. of children in classrooms and, and just in the school in general. Um, I think what we need to do legislatively, as much as possible, de- de- devolve, uh, devolve the power and the centralisation uh, that has become the education department and return that to the regions and, and then as much as possible from the regions to each individual school so that principals, like it used to be in the past, mm. back in, the, in mm. the good old days, um, the principals used to control their schools. They used to, they they used to have the uh, the power to properly administrate their schools, and they, of course, because they're the ones on the mm-hmm. ground, know what is best for the school, mm-hmm. best for the children, best for the parents, best for the teachers. Um, uh, and I think that's the direction that we need to be heading in terms of in terms of legislative changes. That should be top of the list. And if you want another example, I guess of um, how that's gone and been warped now by these central Quongo bodies. So just doubling back, I think at the moment there is something like uh, one bureaucrat for every two teachers. Uh, Why? (laughs) Why not return that power back to the principals? Um, uh, And you could have teachers across Queensland being given extraordinary uh, pay pay rise bonuses um, uh, once the education department has been... You know, properly reduced back to a mm. small administrative role that it should be, mm. the, a very small department that oversees. Whereas most of the power should should rely in uh, in the schools. But to give an example of where uh, these central uh, organisations go wrong, um, recently uh, the the ACARA, the uh, Australian Curriculum and Regulatory Authority, which was a centralised body set up by Howard government, conservative government. Uh, many moons ago, uh, and it is was always doomed to fail because it's set up by uh, the states, uh, get their education ministers to appoint basically a senior bureaucrat to sit on this board, a car with them. So totally, totally captured by the bureaucrats, totally, totally captured by it because that's its form, uh, and totally captured, I guess, now by the left who are pushing ideological barrows instead of uh, having the children's best interests yeah. Uh, at heart and yeah. trying to produce good outcomes uh, and get people ready for a trade, ready for university, ready for the real world post-graduating. Um, uh, and we've seen that now. Uh, a car trying to basically erase um, our British past, um, you know, making children feel uh, guilty about our past. And some some aspects of our past we shouldn't feel guilty about. Yeah. Sure, it wasn't yeah. great, but um, it's gone beyond I guess recognition in, into the realms of indoctrination. Um, some of the uh, the form, you know, the the, rec, the curriculum is now recommending direct a- direct action as a form of participation or the best form of participation in our democracy. Um, uh, they're talking about uh, things like uh, in uh, physical education, um, uh, gender and diversity, um, but also. Uh, cultural problems and, and, and things that just make you scratch your head. Uh, I think what we're try, trying to do uh, or in science, you know, a sustainable, sustainable future and and requiring direct action for that. It's almost like we're trying to breed that next level of uh, the next generation of extinction rebellion. Uh, the guys who go and glue themselves to the street um, uh, and clog up our city. So I just it's all sort of a little bit worrying I guess the reason why we're heading down that path is because average teachers weren't consulted average mm-hmm. teachers know mm-hmm. where the gaps in the curriculum are uh, uh, and no parents are on sit on that board if you had a parent on there I'm sure you wouldn't end up with this like mm-hmm. why isn't why isn't the the head of the uh, the PNC Australia not sit on there um, why you know why even have a car at all is is what' uh, is what I guess I'm trying to say I think um if uh, the state the shadow state education minister or even the, the, the state education minister in Queensland here uh, was smart, they would uh, reef control of the curriculum back into the state system. Constitutionally, uh, the federal government shouldn't have control of education. It's a state issue. The states should, uh, you know, take mm-hmm. control. They should take mm-hmm. back the uh, uh, the curriculum and, and those in Queensland Uh, would have a better, uh, would be better served to craft a curriculum for uh, kids in Queensland. We have a big uh, uh, resource industry in Queensland. We have a big agriculture sector in Queensland. Mm -hmm. What we teach in Queensland should possibly be different to what they teach in the ACT down in Canberra, Mm -hmm. uh, where there isn't any of those industries. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of people who graduate from school and pursue careers in those industries. Why is that not part of a Queensland uh, curriculum just as a, just as a small example um, so there's a, there's a lot I think that can be done uh, in the curriculum space I, I know just trying to get uh, general teachers input I, I know from speaking to our members and getting feedback um, you know they're not they're not supportive of this acara nonsense what they are supportive of though is totally decluttering the curriculum we keep trying to push in all this new fad stuff. Um, yet our, our our literacy and numeracy numeracy rates languish. Um, I've spoken to you on a number mm. of occasions mm. about interesting things uh, that you've done in mm. your your previous uh, profession uh, previous career to try and boost those things, and you've been successful at it. Mm. Why aren't we, you know, doing those sorts of things? We should be leaving more time for interesting ideas, um, you know, such such as the ones that you've come up with uh, by decluttering the curriculum, getting rid of all that guff, and just returning it back to the basics. Getting the basics right, getting comprehension yep. um, back into yeah. the curriculum.
0: And an interesting speaker who I love following, uh, who passed last year, sadly, Dr. Ken Robinson, uh, he, he explained that this is happening all over the world, that the huge clutter in our curriculum is enough to make any student anxious and or depressed. And the problem is that it's all politicised and we need to get rid of that clutter. But we're doing it, once again, with politics and bureaucrats. We need the teachers from the chalk face in at the table. We need the parents who of those children in at the chalk face, not mm. the bureaucrats, not those um, pollies that uh, that think that they know all. And I doubt they would have stepped into a classroom for a very, very long time, let alone taught in one, mm. which is a whole different ballgame. Oh, and so we need a different style of schooling here in Queensland. We need a different style of schooling everywhere all over the world. And uh, I know I was way before my time and many, many, many years ago, and I'm going right back to 2004, which was quite a while ago, I started up what we called then alternate schools for students who could not cope with mainstream schooling and we, they were violent. Uh, we had absenteeism and they had a very, very poor literacy numeracy. And so I was the first principal to actually start up uh, sheep shearing through a school program, and I was running that for these really high-end kids who are heading straight to jail. And I'm really pleased to say now that right now every single one of them is still in that industry, still doing really well, and uh, they often have a yarn and, uh, and uh, are really, really pleased that industries were involved with schooling. And This is another thing that's missing mm. We've got, and you named the, the, some of those industries in terms of agriculture and technology, we've got all these people, these heads, these thought leaders in industry, they should also be at the table. And what do you think about a different model of schooling, Jack? Um,
1: well, I guess the, uh, the more models available, the better. I mean, mm. I know, uh, you know, <laughs> those uh, who send their school to West End, for instance, probably really love the ACARA, sort of I guess you would say woke curriculum and everything put in it but for 99 you know for 99 schools out of 100 outside of West End they probably don't the parents don't Um, I guess this is also a divergent um, path that the Teachers Professional Association of Queensland is on compared to other unions and that is um, the main philosophical underpinning being that for our members for teachers the main client um, who really who we say should say jump is the the child the parent the client that you're teaching and and their parents uh, not the department whereas I think that's where it's been said at the moment that the bureaucrats are in control you answer to the bureaucrats um, it isn't the bureaucrats um, uh, who you're teaching it is the bureaucrats that then have uh, been taught and then are graduating going on uh, with the rest of their lives so I don't think it should be left up to them I think a new model of Schooling would be one uh, There's probably too early to get into the nitty-gritty of how it would look and funding arrangements, but but certainly something that was, uh, I guess, more similar to a charter school, um, which which is um, being done in America and a charter school which has been done uh, in the United Kingdom where the, um, the curriculum is decided by parents. And if parents want a particular curriculum taught and teachers are happy to teach it, why don't we get out of the way? Why don't we let that happen? Again, you know, if you have a curriculum uh, set by people who live in the far north of Queensland, compared to those that live in the CBD of Brisbane, um, they have very different needs and Mm. probably very different trajectories in where they're heading. Mm. You know, one might be heading into a CBD office job to to work as a receptionist, the other may be going off to you know run a run a run a cattle station or become a jackaroo. I mean, just totally different um, and worlds apart. So I think there needs to be the flexibility um, to be able to account for that, which our current ones don't allow for. And, again, whenever anything is centralised, it ends up being politicised. And I don't think parents want that, and teachers overwhelmingly have been telling me that they don't want that. They just want to be able to teach that, you know, black is black, white is white, one plus one equals two, and there's no, you Mm. know, feelings if, buts or grey area about it.
0: And we all know from our own individual experiences and every single listener here today, we all know how much of our education has impacted on our lives. We all know that without the basics like reading, writing, arithmetic tables and comprehension, then we are in strife. And there's lots and lots of students in that area who leave school who suffer because they don't have that that really in-depth knowledge of literacy and numeracy. And the problem is that we keep ignoring our data. So our national data says 70% of our students are voc-ed inclined, vocational educational. And what are we doing about it? As you said, if you want to be a truck driver, why are you treated like um, you're you're a second-rate citizen just because you don't want to go to university? These are the sorts of school models we really do have to look at. I know up in the Gulf there we've got some really great school models and also in Western Australia for Indigenous kids and using Indigenous teachers and using the elders very much so as part of those, those community teams. And I know this because I've been in a lot of them and I actually was schooled in them as well as a student as well as teaching in them. So I get it. Um, and uh, we need to look at the model now for schooling that needs to come back out of a parliament house and out of the minister's offices and out of the dgs offices and back into the schools so we've got a lot of people sitting in regional offices there's no reason why they can't be working in schools and then looking at your um, charter model or a flexi school model or whatever model there is there's models out there that we Mm. need to pursue to look at
1: and 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 just something needs to change. No. We need mm. to try new things. Mm. We're not experimenting as much as we used to, mm. but uh, certainly, certainly, the status quo at the moment is not good enough. No. Uh, I have spoken to many teachers uh, in my role. Um, I ask most of them, "Is teaching better as a profession now than it was 15 years ago?" And it's really sad, Tracy. But I haven't heard a single one say no. yes. No. Not a single one. No. So you the won't. the 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 heading that we're on at the moment. Is a negative one. It's not good. Um, sadly, more funding I don't think would even fix it. Um, we're we're at the stage where we've got even in Queensland record levels in Australia in the in the country record levels of funding being put into education, um, but most of it I I would dare say is being um, uh, wasted up against a wall. Uh, and and it's the fundamentals that needs to change. The Philosophical underpinnings, the uh, the the models, the it just there needs yeah. to be a a a I guess a uh, a resurgence by the grassroots to return it back to the grassroots, and I, and I hope that's what we're uh, trying to achieve. I hope that's what we are doing with the Teachers Professional Association mm-hmm. of Queensland is offering a choice for teachers uh, to try and reset the trajectory that the profession is heading, uh, because currently the way things are heading. Uh, uh, my little uh, cousin is going to university soon, and I just—I don't think I could, in good faith, say that teaching is a good profession that you no. should get into. And—and and that's really sad. Yeah. Really sad. I—it's just—it's uh, too violent. It's uh, the teachers just aren't being looked after.
0: It's so. simply not safe. It is simply not safe mm. enough every day. And not only is it not safe, but there is no protection not a single solitary ounce of protection for a teacher or a student in a school. And this is a huge problem and one that's been around for a long time. A lot, a lot of people actually realise, a lot of teachers I speak to don't realise that they have zero protection. And why and how did this happen? So some time ago under the Bligh administration in our government system, um, the Public Service Act was changed and it was extremely negligent how they changed it, and what they did is they took away all that protection for our staff and staff have been um, going along in life thinking that they had that protection, and your union actually does provide that can you can you tell us how you provide that protection for teachers
1: um, yeah we've had a number of uh, cases uh, where people have come across to us um, and uh, they uh, haven't found uh, much joy in their previous union, and I think we've been able to uh, help address that problem. I mean, I can get into the very technical specifics of one of those, but um, uh, for instance, uh, we had a uh, a teacher where the uh, the MUP, managing unsatisfactory performance, or, or a PIP, the performance improvement plan, uh, was weaponised against um, a number of our members, and and the response from the the old school monopoly traditional dated unions uh, was, oh, uh, well, just suck it up and wear it. You know, at least you've got your job. Just keep going with yeah. the flow. Um, no, that's not good enough. Yeah. Um, you know, that's taking a management action that's four steps down the path uh, without even getting to the addre- uh, addressing the first uh, hurdle which is perhaps even just sitting down and having a cup of tea with the person saying yeah. where can I help you? you you know you're failing to do x y and z or this isn't up to scratch is there something going wrong so um, uh, we were able to use a specific public service uh, direction um, by the public service commissioner which had never been utilized before and uh, totally had that whole uh, line of uh, questioning and targeting more so, not line of questioning targeting um, and I think they were being targeted for nefarious reasons, um, but we had that all swept away. And I think um, uh, a new union like us on the block has to prove ourselves, and we're doing that. We're doing that. We're going above yeah. and beyond. We're not. Uh, we're not taking. Uh, uh, you know, just sit down and shut up as a as a solution. Um, we've had um, uh, heard horror stories um, uh, from other school leaders saying that they've had to intervene to help their Uh, They're teachers because the union's failed to step up um, uh, in relation to allegations from previous students from years ago. Um, And uh, people are sent off on gardening leave, which is leave with pay, uh, Mm. and the traditional advice was, well, you're getting paid, so just, you know, yeah, put your feet up and have a great time, where in reality those people are missing out on career advancement opportunities. They're at home stewing with their own thoughts. Mm. They're wondering... Uh, you know, I've got a big um, uh, university debt built up. I'm trying to pay that off uh, by working. And now potentially that whole career path that I had set up is now, is it going to be off the table? Is it not? I don't know. Um, huge things weighing on people's minds. So um, I think now, you know, we're, we're also challenging that. There's yeah. issues of natural justice issues, you know, under the this new Human Rights Act that the, the Queensland Labor Party brought in, Um, their own uh, their own act and and they're still sort of I guess breaching that by not allowing um, teachers that proper Mm. uh, process right of reply and to deal with issues in a timely manner so
0: exactly and that that's one of my big thorns in my side because Mm. uh the government breaches it every single day what a farce that is and we hear in the newspapers uh um, people saying this and people saying that. And then we hear this lame comment, oh, but we do allow our principals to make all the decisions. When we know, we know from those people out there that they don't get to make those decisions. Mm. There's a regional director who makes it for them when they see fit. Mm. But coming back to protection with um, the TPAQ, what is embedded in your membership there to protect uh, members?
1: Um, well, I guess another interesting. Uh difference or quirk is that uh, we actually take on uh, member v member issues. So previously in the past, uh, most teachers are in Education Queensland are uh, in the Queensland Teachers Union. uh in the Independent Education Union, slightly less rates, but still quite a lot of people uh, in the union. Um, we've heard a number of cases of teachers who, in fact, our Vice President uh, uh, Cameron Murray, who came to us and said he would like to set up a an alternative called, you know, the Teachers' Professional Association of Queensland, modelled off the Nurses' Professional Association mm. of Queensland mm. uh, because he had been paying thousands of dollars in union uh, memberships uh, every year for years and years and years. And um, uh, the minute he had an issue, uh, I think at the, at the time with his principal or was with somebody, uh, uh, the union said, oh, yeah, no, we can help you with that. Oh, sorry, it looks like, uh, you know, John Smith is uh, in the union also, so uh, oh can't help out with that one. You're just going to have to sort it out between yourselves. So thousands of dollars later uh, and you don't get a response because it's a member-be-member member issue and they look up and say, um, uh, you know, that other person's in the union. So um, we have made a commitment that we will uh, uh, set up either Chinese walls or, or uh, in the event that that is unsatisfactory or can't, we will take on the junior employee and we will outsource uh, to a third-party um, uh, the more senior employee, and we will advocate and represent both properly. Um, uh, and I guess one of the other uh, other protections we have is baked into the price. So our pricing model for the Teachers' Professional Association yeah. of Queensland is a flat fee. Whether you are you are a teachers' aide or an executive principal um, in the Queensland Teachers Union, you can pay up to you know thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred dollars mm. a year or mm. something. Um, we have a flat rate of four hundred and forty two dollars. Yeah. Um, uh, we guarantee the same, if not better, level of protection. I hope I've convinced you that we do have a better level of protection, um, uh, even just because we have to punch above our weight and we do do that to try and prove that that's the case. So uh, baked into our, uh, well, one of the other protections is baked into the pricing, $442 no matter who you are uh, because that's the cost of what it provides to yeah. provide the, the membership. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, therefore, if there is a issue between a principal, executive principal and a teacher aide, there isn't that perverse incentive to go, oh yeah, but we get thirteen hundred dollars a year from this executive principal, and we only get you know yeah. two or three, four hundred, five hundred dollars from this teacher aid. Oh, it's probably better to take the uh, take the boss's side. So, um, yeah, I, I just think our, our model is fundamentally better. Um, but better than that, it's the choice that we provide because uh, previously, um, as I said with with Cameron, he, he had no choice. That was it. He, well, yeah. That's the uh, that's the line in the sand. How does he appeal that? Well, you can't appeal that. No. But uh, but what you can do is just leave and have no protection whatsoever, and that's your choice to do that, um, which isn't a very good choice. No. You know, you don't. There's <laughs> no choice. A at lot all. of people don't feel comfortable doing no. that. So now they've got a a great alternative, a better alternative in the Teachers Professional Association of Queensland, um, and uh, yeah, we've got we've got a constitution up online. We've got um, plenty of other interesting facts and things that we've done to. Solve some of these issues. It's available on our website that people can check out at um, uh, tpaq.redunion.com.au.
0: Excellent. And I wish that uh, TPAQ had been around when I uh, chose to close my flooded schools mm. and lose my career. But not only that, my children actually um, were hurt, both physically and emotionally, abused, and at the hands of some very influential people. Mm. Uh, it was it was just mind blowing, and I've actually written a book about that. But I wish you had been around there. And, and people
1: then. Should, people should read the book. I've, yeah. I've read the book, <laughs> and it's uh, it's astounding, but unfortunately unsurprising. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and and I guess it's a symptom of uh, when these departments get so politicized and they try and manipulate things and mess mm. with things. And then if you try and buck the trend, oh, absolutely, boy, you better yeah, you better be ready for what comes next. But um. No, uh, Tracy, I totally agree. If, you, if if we had been around when when you were going through that, uh, we certainly would have been uh, right in behind you. And um, I guess that's another issue with um, uh, you know the current monopoly politicised unions that we've been hearing uh, is that when there's a particular flavour of government in charge, mm, uh, yeah. they are quiet as a mouse. But uh, when a different flavour of government's in, they'll Roar like lions over the smallest issue, even if it's a Um, non-issue. So so for us, uh, because our constitution prevents us from uh, giving money to political parties, in kind or or financial, um, we don't hold a punch. Um, And if we see an issue as uh, an issue or we see a wrong that needs to be righted, uh, we will do that.
0: And and I love that because it's all about a choice because Australia suffers from the tall poppy syndrome, very much so. And for me, I notice it every day. A, a female senior principal in a, a rural area, heaven help me, the tall poppy was just, um, yep, getting smashed down every minute of the day and there was zero support. So I was one of those principals who actually saw a lot of the filth that went on in the department and I actually was a principal that was forced to take large groups of teachers on mups forced to tell I had no say in it whatsoever so I lived and worked in a violent school with a lot of drug issues and it was exceptionally difficult school to manage and they're bringing in forcing me to take these huge numbers of teachers who could not cope In the mainstream schools can you imagine that they were all coming into my school and i was told oh you're really good at mups tracy you sort them out for us and get rid of them that was what i was told to do get rid of them and uh, and it is a lot of hard work to work with those people but you know what there's reasons behind as you said sit down have a cup of tea with them and talk to them and see what's going on and certainly Small, rural, violent schools are not the place for them where they're going to improve. They need to be in those big schools with lots of support around them and mm. their family around them. You just kick them out and you're actually failing them as a, as mm. an institution. Mm. And th- these are some of the things we saw. Now, I was reading the paper the other day. I was in the paper the other day, and so are you. Wow. I think. <laughs> Um and I was really pleased to see that our uh, education minister, Grace Grace, uh was speaking in support of the NAP plan test.
1: Yes, well, uh mm. that's interesting. It's 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 interesting the timing of this. I will get to the NAPLAN in a moment, Tracy, yeah. but it's interesting the timing of this. Um we uh were getting quite a lot of media and quite a lot of traction with our mm. pushback against mm. the ACARA uh, curriculum change. Um uh if you want to see more examples of that, it's uh, only a Google away. It's getting quite a lot of uh, coverage in Australia. Uh, some of the crazy things they're trying to introduce to the curriculum. But um, uh, on the that was on the Friday, we were on TV talking about it. Um, There's a lot of a lot of outcry from parents and uh, general teachers about it. Um, uh, gets to Monday morning roll around. Uh, there is a uh, a leading op-ed piece uh, in the the newspaper here in Queensland. Uh, from the head of ACARA saying we need to keep NAPLAN. Uh, There's also a big uh, article in the ABC uh, at the same time from the Queensland teachers, nothing preceded this, (laughs) from the Queensland (laughs) Teachers Union saying that they're going to be, they're they're advising their members who are teachers, who are parents, to withdraw their kids from NAPLAN. Um, uh, And then Grace. Grace is also then giving comment uh, and weighing into the situation. Um, We just so happen to agree with her position on this, but uh, which is that we shouldn 't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that some form of nationalized testing is required but um, but it just seems awfully cozy Tracy it mm, seems awfully mm. um, coincidental that they 're both talking about the same thing in lockstep at the same time the day that a car is put under the spotlight for the yeah, curriculum yeah. and it's, it it feels to me like uh, uh, they 're trying to move the media cycle on to not have the spotlight on a car, and they want to bring it back to something that they feel comfortable with, which is NAPLAN.
0: And that cosy word is a C word, isn't it cosy? I have another Mm. C word, and that's corrupt. It's all about corruption. And guess what? We've run out of time, Jack, and we only got halfway through some of those (laughs) juicy topics that I wanted to talk about. I'm sure you did too. So I'd like to invite you back to uh, Tracy Tully Talks to discuss further what's going on in the education sector in Queensland in Australia. And no doubt you might reflect on what's happening for your children and your friends' children or your relatives uh, where you live. So We might
1: be a national body by that stage. Yes,
0: I think we will be a national (laughs) body at that stage. So thank you so much, Jack, for coming on board here today to talk to us and thanks for listening to everyone out there to another 60 minutes of inspiring talking points on Tracy Tully Talks brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Australian time, (AEST) and 5 p.m. PST time in America. All the best and have a lovely day. Until I speak again, farewell. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another sixty minutes of inspiring talking points on Tracy Tully Talks, brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at ten am Australian time (AEST) and five pm PT time in America. Leave me a message on my website at www.bbsradio.com forward slash Tracy Tully Talks. If you're interested in lifting the profile, presence and profit of your business, sponsorship opportunities are available. Until next Thursday, it's goodbye from me.